Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We welcome everybody. I was in between worship and welcome. Hallelujah. So we appreciate everybody uh, being here tonight. And uh, praise the Lord. I am going to try that one more time. Let me see. You close that. It's nice in here right now. Maybe because it's night and it's not so hot and humid outside. We had a really heavy rain here this afternoon. That usually cools things down which is good for me. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, I love this couple that's driving from Naples. and I don't know if I should recognize them because I don't want to put them under pressure, but thank you for coming. Hallelujah. Uh, you've lasted past Miss Gay's greeting and being, <laughs> that's an inside joke. Maybe you've heard about it. So, by the way, Sunday... It's, we have an incredible surprise for you, and you'll, you're going to enjoy it so much, so don't miss Sunday service. Amen. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, I have bittersweet emotions about it because I know it's going to be great, but if, it breaks, if revival breaks out Sunday, I'm going to be sad. <laughs> you'll know why. Not really sad, but, you know, jealous, I guess. So, hallelujah. Um. First Saturday in November, uh, the Alabama bunch is coming down. Amen. So we're glad for all of them coming down. We're, we're looking forward to them coming. And uh, so, amen. It'll be fun. We're going to have a good time in the Lord. I want to shout out to somebody that may or may not be watching tonight. I know my, my daughter is watching, both of them. And uh, the one was with this young man late this evening and his name is uh, Braden Jones and Braden has just graduated from uh, army boot camp and uh, he went through the boot camp and then those nine weeks and then went into a uh, extended stay where he was at into his uh, his secondary training well yesterday I had met him before in the past but really didn't know him so well but uh, he met the Lord in basic training in there some you know some of the services that were going on on and he had had a relationship years ago well he got in touch with my oldest daughter uh who um is the aunt of uh, his wife and uh he knew about me and he had not yet been baptized he said when i get because he just got out uh in between being shipped over, going over to uh, Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. That's where I'll be stationed for the next three years. And he's in the infantry and will be working with, I, I believe he said Abram Tanks. So, um, but he said, will, will uh, Pastor Bronk baptize me? And I said, man, absolutely, because he wanted to be baptized. So he came and sat in my kitchen yesterday with his army uniform on I'm like oh god here's a young man he's just been born again and uh, he was so interested uh, in what I had to say about what born again was and the the real life experience of being changed in Christ and I said have you done this before yes many years ago but uh, basically he, he had really fallen away and so he said I want to do this I want to I want to make this commitment again in essence and be baptized so we took him out back in our above ground pool and 
And uh, there were just a few of us, but he got baptized. So shout out to Braden Jones. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. By the way, if any of the bunch coming down from Alabama or any time during that, that, that Sunday, or if, peop- if enough people come up and say, we want to be baptized, um, we'll have a baptismal service. Amen. Just putting that out there. Hallelujah. Amen. So our one of our worship members, Renee, is he's gone. He's he'll, he'll be gone tomorrow. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's pray. We worship you, Jesus. We're so interested in how you do things, Lord. The miracles that you performed, we can do also. We have so loved doctrine. Doctrine is foremost. It is absolute. Lord, we thank you. As we remember Pastor Dave telling us that there will be a revival of doctrine. We've seen that. Sound doctrine. And it will lead into a doctrine or it will lead into a revival of power. With signs and wonders. Lord, we believe that we're on the edge waters of that. We believe that really, in a, in a real sense of the word, it's been poured out or it has been released. And the outpouring that will turn into a revival is among us. It's here. It's at, the, it's at hand. It's to be grasped. And all we need to do is to receive it by faith and do the things that you're asking us to do in these days. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the transition of power part four. So we've been saying some things that have been helping us, myself included, and people that are watching because they've communicated with that, uh, communicated that to me. And it's always important to help people. It's not important for me to stand up here and press you. I, I don't know that I can, <laughs> and I mean that. But uh, it's important that I allow him to flow through me. And, and so that you're edified, you're changed, and I'm changed. Listen, you've heard me say this before, and I believe this is the, the heart of anybody that stands up here. I know it's Homer's heart. I believe it's the heart of anybody that is asked to stand up here. We don't seek God for a message. We seek God for him to flow through us. And for him to flow through us means that we have to be transformed or you know, ourself first. When I'm seeking the Lord during the week, this is behind the scenes of a pastor's life, or I hope a pastor that's they used to say worth his salt. I'm not seeking the Lord or meditating to say, okay, I, I need a, I need some messages. I need to have something to tell the people. I'm seeking the Lord for me to change. And the change that takes place in me and the revelations that I receive from the Word of God then are given over to you. They're perpetuated or given over to you in our services. And so that's very, very important that we're being changed together. And I want you to know, in case you haven't heard me say it recently, I'm being changed with you. There's nobody standing up here preaching down to a congregation. The things that you say, well, pastor, boy, you seem like you're chasing us sometimes. Listen, I'm getting it first. (laughs) I'm getting it first. 
I'm pulling it in first. I'm having to say, oh, really? Wow, okay. Uh, so I don't come out here swinging to impress anybody to say, well, look, I've arrived. I'm saying what you're hearing is the echo of my changing as well. So praise God. We're changing together. That's the thing because we're an army together. I want to say thank you for uh, there's so many things that has been changed in the natural recently. Doesn't this look good? We haven't mentioned this. This really, really looks nice. There's a lot of work in that. And, and <laughs> a lot of work, I'm sure, because I, I know the people that were here for like three days, and uh, the outside looks so great. We're fortunate enough, blessed enough, that people come and start an hour before every service. You know, uh, your mom or your wife, or if the husband is the cook, it's okay too. We got some good cooks here. Carl's a good cook. I've been over, he's cooked me dinner. Uh, but a dinner doesn't, you know, you don't walk in. If you've got an appointment at 5, be here at 5. You don't walk in and, and like, if the dinner's ready, they started an hour, hour and a half early. Breakfast, our, uh, you know, the holiday breakfast that Candy's cooked for us and whatever, the wife or the man or the whoever, they have to get up before the house gets up. And they're working in there and they're cooking those eggs and omelets and grits and potatoes and bacon and, and whatever else, you know. <laughs> and hallelujah, ham, glory to God. <laughs> eggs over easy. <laughs> glory to God. So that's, that's preparation, but all has to be done before everybody sits down. So we appreciate people that make it happen in here before we sit down to this meal. And it always has to, you know, there's nobody getting paid for that. It's volu volunteer. And uh, you can help. You can come and be a part of that. There may not, I mean, you may not have a, a broom to put in your hand or that's not normally what's, going on so much but you can sit in here uh, ladies you can go over and pray with with Miss Barbara before service uh, you can sit in here and get the atmosphere warmed up you know anytime you get here early you've got something to do you're not just here to to be an onlooker you know so hallelujah let's all work let's all work to make this thing happen because People are going to come in here in the days ahead. I was listening to an interesting service this morning from Jim. I was like, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> I told him some of the comments, oh, Jim. <laughs> but uh, it, it's classic Jim, you know. <laughs> but it was, uh, <laughs> it was good. It was good. And, uh, but he was really sharing some good, good points. And uh, it was all about, you'd have to hear it's last Sunday service. And uh, so, but he was talking about us setting the example. I'll just be brief with this. And we do have an example to set, especially when people come in, because they're going to be, the fruit of revival is going to be coming in watching us. And they're, they really think, <laughs> beyond their recognition, they really think we've got the, our act together. You know, if they've just been saved uh, and they're newbies, they're going to think, well, the, the leadership here or the people, the regular comers, so they're going to watch you. 
They're not just going to watch me. They are going to watch me, but they're going to watch you. They're going to watch your attendance. They're going to watch how you get here and what you do after you get here and how, you know, do you look like you got your act together in, in that certain sense of the word. Hallelujah. Amen. So I've been asking the Lord, and you've been hearing my questions before him concerning how is this transition of power. We don't want to just talk about power. We want to see the transition. We want to take every, we've talked, give you some practical ways to, to stay in the spirit, to stay, to go in and, and to spend time in worship and tongues. Um, somebody was, uh, had emailed me and I was answering that email today and they really were, had a good question. They were going back to how do I know which place is the place I need to be spending the most time at at the time? You know, which one of the limbs? And when we talk about the limbs, we talk, you know, basically four pillars. Uh, praying, which would entail praying in, t praying in tongues or praying with our understanding. Worship, fasting, and the word, which would include meditation and confession. Well, um... I love the way Pastor Dave used to talk about it. He said, he said, praying in tongues is a priority gift or it's a priority limb. In other words, praying, he didn't say it was the most important. He said it's, the, it's priority in that it will uh, lead you into an understanding and a revelation of how all the other ones work and the importance of them. But it, uh, the way that I have fashioned my life for years I never stray far from in, from any of them even in my worship I'm praying and worshiping and praying in tongues and worshiping so um, it's so important that we continue to do all of them in our life every single one of them so we're understanding we're trying to get to this place where Lord not just the word it's not in theory or it's not just taught but it is actually transitioned and I I, I talked to you a few weeks ago about how that I was beginning to see a place or a room and how that the Lord would, I knew he wanted to take me there. And, uh, you know, I used some people that are personal to me about wanting to see their healing. And you'd have to go back and listen to that. I won't go into that again. But I said, Lord, how, show me how this, how does this miracle work? And it was one particular miracle. And I cited that before. How do I do this? How do I do this? Well, you say, well, you just lay hands on them and speak the word. That's right. But I wanted to see in my spirit the real revelation of how it transitioned from a room inside of me that I, I felt believed it and was there in power. But how does it go into the, the natural? How do, I, how do I perform this work? How do I release it? Um, so I want to read some scripture and you can turn there as I you know it's easy well they're all in the same vicinity but I want I want to have you uh, turn to John um, the 14th chapter now Gary recently has said he gave all of us homework and the homework was to read uh, John um, 13 through 17 and just read that he said he's read it you know, hundreds of times, who knows, maybe thousands of times, but he said he, he, the Lord keeps telling him, and he said the Lord 
you know, he felt the Lord say for all of us, encourage us to read those uh, five chapters because he's just felt like there's something in there that just is going to be a major catalyst to revival. So I've been doing some of that. I've been doing a, a lot of that homework, reading those over and over again, and I have, as many of you, read those probably hundreds of times. But each time you, you seem to get more and more. But what I want you to look at tonight in this quest for seeing this transition into the power is these scriptures or these verses that we're about to read. I want you to see the simplicity of how that Jesus presents the asking and the receiving. Just how absolute, absolute simplicity of what he said and what he believed in absolute would take place if we did these things. So, John 14, 12 says this, and this is the words of Jesus. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatsoever, whatsoever, everybody say whatsoever. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Does that sound fantastic or what? I mean, it not only sounds wonderful, but it sounds fantastic in the sense of where we are in relationship to that. We idolize these things as in these are wonderful words, but where we're at in grasping, uh, now I'm going to make a confession that my spirit believes this. My natural man is still being transitioned. It's still going from a transformation. It's one thing to stand up here in the pulpit and say this. It's another thing to believe it to where it actually begins to happen first time all the time. He said this in 13, And whatsoever, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Those are incredible words. And the thing about it is, this here and the next you know, few, several verses that we'll uh, look at, he makes no commentary here. He makes no apology here. He makes, they're just blatantly said. They're just absolute, like, this is, and I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> you're saying this with such an absolute. Where's the transition of power? Because it's, it's got to be in a place where he doesn't, he doesn't do a commentary on these words. He doesn't do a supplemental kind of, let me help your understanding. He just absolutely says, whatever you ask, that will I do. If you shall ask anything. 
Then in John 15, 7, we're, we're certainly not trying to, to teach 13 through 17 tonight. We're just picking out a few verses here on asking and receiving. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Is that incredible? You will ask what you will, and it shall be. It wasn't that it might be, or hopefully, or it could be, or it's predicated on this. It's an absolute, it shall be done unto you. Verse 16, John 15, 16. You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And he reiterates, and whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Now, we could go into qualifications here and talk about... uh, in which we will in a little bit, and I don't want to get ahead of myself asking a miss because it, it has nothing to do with the real kingdom of God and it's wrapped up in fleshly wants and fleshly desires and all kinds of things that inhibit you from possibly receiving, and that's a little later. But just even in us being in a place where all motivation is pure and everything is scriptural, These are fantastic words. These are words that will come to pass. I'm saying present tense are at hand. But to hear him say, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. John 16, 23. In that day, now that's not a futuristic day. That that day has already come and gone. That day is his glorification or him being crucified, resurrected, and glorified at the right hand of the Father. In that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Does that sound like revival? That sounds full-blown revival. It's wielding a lot of power. It's having a lot of authority. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, when I read those scriptures, those several scriptures that we just read, uh, there's a part of me that says, in all respect, Lord, are you mocking us? Are you, I mean, you, you know where we're at, and I'm talking about the church at large. You're just, tell, you're just laying this out like it is so simple and it is so matter of fact. And every time you get it all, not in bits and pieces whatsoever, on and on and on. And it's like, Lord, uh, how far have we been removed from the reality of those, those very words? And it comes down to a church as a whole as I was praying earlier in that prayer, 
and, and, and mention that Pastor Dave used to, meant, used to say that there was going to be a revival of doctrine and then the revival of power. Uh, the church has been so buried beneath metric tons, layer after la stratosphere after stratosphere of religion for so many centuries that now that when we're digging our way out of this, we're seeing scripture that sounds fantastic. We believe it. I mean, we worshipers believe that and say we're going to hold to that no matter what we see. But this was a, a matter of absolute with Jesus. So we want to get to that place. We want to get to that place. Uh, Kenneth Hagin said this, and I'm just, this is, uh, I've, I've said this before. This is not an exact verbatim quote. It's as close as I can remember to a prophecy that we played here before. He said, in the last outpouring, the miracles will happen almost effortlessly. It will seem as if we were not, it will seem as if we're not even having to use our faith. Okay? Now, we know we always have to use our faith, but I'm talking about mustered up, like give it all, grit your teeth kind of, got to get into this, can't think about anything else. Man, this is going to be, I better gear up for this one. You know, those days are over, according to this. It will be like taking a breath. He said it will be like taking a breath of air or drinking a glass of water. That's the kind of ease that we're supposed to be walking in. That's the kind of ease that I have to say that Jesus spoke this under. He never comes, he will come down to our level, the Holy Spirit will come down to our level to pick us up. But Jesus never changes the bar of truth and an expectation of where we should be. He just says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Every time you ask the Father in my name, you ought to believe that it comes to pass, and it comes to pass then. So what happened, or what, what's going to happen between now and then? <laughs> Turn with me to uh, James. Let's address a little bit of this. James chapter 4. Because I'm thinking, for God's sake, what's holding back the simplicity? Because I'm looking at, I'm looking at those scriptures that we just read in John of simplicity. You ask, you receive. It just, it doesn't matter what the miracle was. You ask and receive. So I'm thinking, Lord, what's holding back this transition of power? Hallelujah. So we're not going to even begin to touch James as in the essence of prior to context going forward context we'll keep it close enough but I, I let's look at verse 1 James chapter 4 this gives us somewhat of an understanding of why why not the simplicity why not the simplicity why 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 not the transition of power at ease because we want it to be at ease so James says this from whence comes wars and fightings among you he's addressing the church come they not hence even of your lust that you war in your members he's talking about the lust of the flesh or the members of the body you lust and you have not now please don't just think of immorality lust 
as in sexual things. This could include a whole lot of things. It's the self-exertion of the flesh. It's the, it's the desires of the flesh. It's, it's, uh, it's everything that we even talked about Sunday, about Luke chapter 14, about all the things that lead people away and make excuses. So you lust and you have not, you kill, and he's not talking about necessarily physical murder, but it's on the same lines as 1 John, that if you, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart as well, and God looks at it at that same level as if you had already. You lust, you have, kill, you have not, you kill, you desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight in war, this is all talking about an internal war. Yes, external fighting in the church. A lot of stuff in James. And as I said, not even beginning to teach James tonight. But I'm talking about right now the subject of what hinders the simplicity of us being able to say, blind see and they see, sick be healed and they are healed. <laughs> I'm amazed. I I've read, I read this the other day. I read this, you know, we've all read this uh, many times if you read the Gospels. I was in Mark, and I'm also in Mark, and I'm reading through Mark uh, over and over. And uh, <laughs> it's amazing. On a bad day for Jesus, and it wasn't because of his faith, you know, he went into Nazareth where he was raised, and it said in that place he could not do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Well, that didn't shut him down. It shut them down, so they couldn't receive. It said that he could only lay his hands on a few sick people and get them healed. And that, <laughs> I'm thinking, Lord, your down day is better than our, our high day on, you know, yeah Jesus, had, yeah, Jesus had a tough day today, you know, and it wasn't him, of course. Again, it's them. He only got a number of people that were sick, they must have had, you know, resident diseases or whatever. Uh, that was a down day for him other than growing out a leg or putting an eye back in socket or, you know, cleansing a leper or whatever. So um, he said those words in John with an absolute. Whatever you ask in my name, I'm transitioning this power over to you. So here James just says this, you fight, you war, yet you have not. You have not. Because you ask not. Now, well, now we're getting to a little bit of asking and receiving or not receiving. You ask not. The petition's not even there. Because you ask not. Or you ask not because you, you have not, rather. Excuse me. You have not because you ask not. You ask, and then when you ask, you receive not because you ask amiss. In other words, it's... I looked that word up today in the Greek. It's out of proportion. It's out of order. It's, uh, it's I think there was another word. I think there was a word in there, grotesque. It's, it's, it's not in order. Um, you ask a misc that you may consume it upon your lust, or you could say your own lust. So we're getting to some of the root of the problem of where the church has been at large, uh, you know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago or last week that the misinterpretation of Mark 11, or not Mark 11, Luke 11, when he talks about asking, seeking, and knocking, we've always interpreted that 
and I'm saying across the board myself included as our petitions getting from God what we need from him. Now listen, let me say this. There is a, there is a legitimate asking and receiving for yourself. But Luke 11 is the asking and seeking and knocking for a friend that came to you at midnight. The friend that has come to us at midnight is this region. This whole region has come to us. They don't know that they're asking, but they're saying, for God's sake, members of the family person, or you may be the closest people possible to touching God for an outpouring. Now listen, folks, I've searched my heart several times on this, and I hope you can trust me. I'm not saying this to upgrade us and belittle anybody else. I don't know, and there may be. There, there may be. It just hasn't come. God hasn't showed me or it hasn't come to my attention. I don't know anybody, any other church in this area that's after exactly what we're after. An outpouring with signs and wonders that are accompanying uh, a great harvest. So with that, I say this, you are God's hope in the earth. Are the other churches important? Absolutely. Getting people saved? Absolutely. They, that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's, that's glorious. But I'm telling you, there's a hope in God's heart that somebody like us or yourself will go all the way. So here's where I'm using James as an overall to say where the church at large has been to where it has taken away the simplicity of asking and receiving that something's been wrong there's been a missing domino in there somewhere you know you start the dominoes out and they just knock each other down unless there's a missing one in there and it falls flat well between what he said and what we're doing there's something missing and some of the missing parts are in these very Pastor Dave used to say, it's not in the verses that everybody preach. It's in the ones that people leave out. It's in those, it's in those ones. And so um, we've misinterpreted Luke 11. That's okay. We're getting some, you know, uh, gentle correction on that. Um, but continuing on here in James 4, he says, you adulterers and adulteresses. Now, I want you to notice this. He doesn't say, and, he put, and this is very important, he doesn't say you fornicators. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses, meaning uh, what is an adulterer is somebody that a fornicator is a single person that has relationship that's not married. Okay, physical relationship. And you know what I'm talking about. An adulterer is somebody that is married and they have a relationship with someone other than their husband or wife. So he's specifically saying here, he's leading up to what everything he's saying is, church, you're committing adultery on your husband, which is Christ. And that is, he goes on to say, and talks about the friendship with the world. Let's read further. He says, know you not that the friendship of the world is an enmity or it's an enemy with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now, that is the church at large, and I'm not trying to be mean to the church at large. It won't help us. It won't help me. It won't edify us all for me to stand up here week after week and condemn 
the church out there. To identify it, yes, but it doesn't set us up higher for me to, to beat on them. They're condemned already. Much of that church is condemned already. But the problem is, what we're citing here for ourselves is, where did the simplicity go? Where did it go? I mean, this isn't supposed to be for a bunch of uh, monks that live in a monastery somewhere and just nobody works. We all just fast, you know, you know, uh, five, six days a week. We can, we're like skin and bones because we fa- No, this was for working people. This is for the common Joe, the common Mary, the common. This was for this asking and receiving and just just absolutely a con- continue flow of the spirit somewhere it got blocked and it's been through metric tons of religion and things that have consumed the church and one of the things that have consumed the church is the church tried to get relevant and they had <laughs> the the problem is this i can pick on these guys because i i is one <laughs> this pulpit the pulpit rather wanted to get vogue it wanted to get woke. It wanted to get popular. It wanted pe- rather than people, it wanted people to say, you're cool. You're neat instead of you're anointed. Instead of saying, you know what? Sometimes I'm mad at you because you convict me of my sins. Sometimes you do what Paul and, you know, the apostle says that, that we are called to, to, to exhort and to rebuke and to repu- reprove and to, you know, bring forth uh, reproving and the you know the uh, the pulpit wanted to be popular and so they taught a popular doctrine a relevance and uh, so the church at large has become the friend of the world it really has but they lost it lost its testimony by becoming a friend of the world amen he says this you adulterers and adulteresses Know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture... Now, look, look at this. Watch. He says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? And you usually think the word lust or lusteth is a really bad connotation here he's putting it in a in a good sense of the word envy what envy what well envy having a stronger relationship with god than anything else in the world envy having a place in him that jesus had in the father so that he said the works that i do you'll do also and he said it was such a, no, I, I'm just amazed at it as I read it. Every time I'm like, you don't even draw, you don't even draw a second breath when you say this. You just, it just comes out so like, and yet, Lord, have you seen your church? Have you seen, uh, we can't even do what you did on a bad day. You know, g- get a few sick people healed. That's a, that's a, that's a, may, ooh, that's a, oh, boy, we had last Sunday, we got some people that had the flu, got healed. Praise God. And that's a miracle. That's a, he's wanting to take us to a, to a place, a zenith. I mean, a place that we've never, ever imagined before. He says, for he giveth more grace. 
Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud. Boy, here we go with humility. But giveth grace to the humble. Submit. So what is humility? Well, humility is us dying and giving up and saying, I surrender. You know, you've been, you've been talking to me about this little thing for a while, but I surrender. I surrender. I don't need to know what your surrenders are. You don't need to know all mine, but we'll know this. We'll know by enough surrenders that what we ask comes to pass. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. That's the, that's the deal. I mean, it's not rebuking the devil. It's 99% of getting rid of him is submitting yourself to God, being obedient, walking in obedience. You can puff at him with the word Jesus, and he'll run like crazy, but he will eat your lunch if you're walking in disobedience and try to reprove him otherwise. He'll flee from you. Draw nigh unto God, and he, God, will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hearts. He, boy, this is, this is scathing, scathing to that church, scathing to the church. You sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. That's really dying, dying process. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into heaviness. Again, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall do what? Lift you up. Now, going back to where he says uh, in verse 5, you know, just touch that for a minute. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth envy? Pastor, is that Holy Spirit or is that new nature spirit? Well, really both in the sense of the word that you understand this, that the moment you get born again, there's a, there, there's a desire for righteousness. There's an absolute, you could put it in, there's a lust or an in, there's an envying, there's an appetite. There's an absolute appetite. I don't like this. I was telling uh, Braden that yesterday. Um, and I was saying, look, what you've got to know is this. Um, part of it too, you know, he was so sincere, but uh, part of his training was they, they had showed, showed him, and he shared that with me. He said, we, we get to see some films of stuff that happens. And, uh, and of course, some stuff, I guess, that happens to our, our own men in battle. And uh, I could tell he wanted to make sure that he was ready at all times. Um, but us bringing ourselves into a place where we, we know this, and this is what I was telling him. I said, because of what has happened to you, and I wanted him to know to go along with it, uh, when your buddies, of course he's married now, but still these things happen. When their buddies want you to go to a strip bar, something inside of you said, no, that, that, I used to do that, but I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, when your buddies want to say, let's go get drunk, you're gonna, there's something inside of you. I wanted him to recognize the change that had taken place. And he was agreeing, he was listening, and he was agreeing. But that spirit in us that dwells within us or that is fully us, it lusts for the things of God. It desires the things of God. But even a higher order of, let's say, where does that originate from? I can just read these to you or you can write them down. You're quick enough, you can turn to them. What is God, what's his disposition towards us 
and towards righteousness. Um, in Exodus 20, verse 3, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And in verse 4, it says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I am the Lord, he says, for the Lord thy God am jealous, a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and upon the third and fourth generation. We know that through Christ those, those curses are broke. Uh, Galatians 3.13. But he says this also in Exodus uh, 34 14 I love this this is amazing to me 34 14 says this for thou shalt worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous he says my name is jealous of all the names my name is jealous it is a je and is a jealous God Deuteronomy 4, 24. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Now, when it says in James, he lusteth to envy, the spirit that's, that dwelleth within us lusteth to envy. Uh, I remember a story, and you've, many of you have heard it, um, by Pastor Dave. He talked about in the early days, how's everybody doing temperature-wise? We're good? Um, Pastor Dave used to talk about in the early days when the prayer center were having Saturday prayer and they're still having Saturday prayer. It's been, you know, it's come back and uh, maybe it never was gone. I don't know. I can't remember all their schedule forever. But um, he was talking about how that people would come into the auditorium. I do know this. It's come back, but also it's been, uh, let's say this, it's been pruned to the core. Okay. So, um, Pastor Dave talked about that in those early days where the families and different people would come into the auditorium on Saturday and they would uh, camp out, they would kind of camp out and they would, uh, they would sit around on the edge of the, you know, the walls and find a little cubby hole to pray and spend several hours and pray uh, in tongues. And he talked about that there was one day, he t shared this testimony, many of you will remember this. He said he was, he was walking around the auditorium one day, and he was just praying in the Spirit. Everybody was praying in the Spirit, and there was just a prayer meeting going on. Nobody was speaking. And he said, all of us, you know, unbeknowing to him, he slipped into the Spirit in a way of that he didn't know he was there. And he began, each group that he walked by, as he walked by them and kind of paused for a moment, he was, he was actually understanding everything that they were saying. And they were praying in the Spirit. They were all praying in the Spirit. And he, he kind of made a route around the auditorium. And he said, amazing enough, all of these people that were sitting there praying, every group was praying the same kind of it was the same message almost the same words and he could understand what they were praying he could he was getting the interpretation it was like the lord just opened him up into the spirit realm and dave got the interpretation of those prayer groups 
And here was the interpretation that he was getting, and this might not be verbatim, but it's very close. The Holy Spirit was praying through all of them that the relationships or relationship that they had with other things would be replaced with a relationship and a fellowship with God and the things of God. In other words, there would be a transition in their life that began to take uh, a place of hunger and appetite that replaced everything in this life or everything unsanctified or there might be things that are you could say that are not sin but if they're keeping you from spending more time in the time that he's asked us to spend then he wants to replace them with a relationship with him power comes the 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 difference between asking and receiving and that that equal equation of the simplicity i want i want to find that place of simplicity and I, it it is in fasting it is in uh, a deliberateness of you know the things concerning the things a lot of times that we think are really tough like fasting and and but it is a place i know this it's a place of surrender and if we can come to that place of surrender and we're talking about the transition of power. I believe things get very, very simple. So it's all about, let me say this, it's all about the creation of appetites and cravings more so for us today. Um, amen. Amen. Everybody still with me? Hallelujah. Glory. I'm going to give you a testimony. Let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit. You, you may share something close to this that you can relate to. Maybe not so much the, the ladies. Um, or you may be above me in this or whatever, but I'll, I'll say this. Something has happened to myself. I'm going to give my personal testimony, and then you can relate, and as the Lord relates to you, where you're, where you're at and how he's been working on you. Something's happened in the last couple of years, a year and a half, to a lot of different cravings on the inside of me, spiritual or emotional cravings. Now, let me talk about a practical thing like football I grew up loving football I still love it to to a good degree and I'm not a see man I don't know if it's the so it may be the Spanish side of me my great grand one of my great grandmothers was came from Spain maybe it's the hot blood of the Span, Spaniards I don't know but I'm not a Ben Stein's kind of guy you're like oh wow we made a touchdown wonderful that's really good no, that's not how I live life. I mean, if I, if I, take, a, if I take a great championship deer or something, you're going to hear me scream. I'll, I'll, I'm going to run your deer off because I'm going to be jumping and hollering and whatever. That's the way I, see, I grew up. My granddaddy had me, you know, we grew up. We loved football. I played a million Sandlot football games. And then not so much in high school, a couple of years. But then I always loved especially college football. I, I can tell you this. I have spent, I can't tell you how many. This is, this is before the days of, you know, a lot of TV. And we would, football brought a nostalgia. It brought cooler weather and hunting season. And hunting season meant we would be out in the woods on Saturdays when the Gators would be playing. And we would be 
no matter what we would, you know, no matter what hunting we were doing, whether it was hog hunting, deer hunting, turkey hunting, whatever, we would come in around the truck because my granddad, he loved the gators. We'd come in around the truck to listen to the truck radio. And we, you could imagine, and a lot of times we'd be out in places where, you know, the sound wasn't so great, and it'd be fourth and one, and he takes the ball, and, and you wouldn't hear anything. You know, I'd say, oh, my God, we're, we're, we're waiting for, and finally the static would come back, and, you know, we'd hear, and either it'd be, oh, or like, yeah, we'd either, oh, well, we'll try again next year, or else, you know, we'd really be happy. So I, I grew up under an excitement. You, if you watch a football game with me, if I, you know, back when Immokalee was, a, you know, really good team, I, I was as crazy as anybody else in the stands. But I, I enjoy releasing proper emotions. If you watch me in my house, um, there has been a few games, and Candy can tell you, that uh, the excitement has made me run outside and jump a little bit. I'm, listen, if you're going to love something that you can love, enjoy it. It's, that's, I mean, uh, Ben Stein's, you know who Ben Stein's is? He's a red-eye guy commercial, like, here's my excitement over the most wonderful thing in life, you know, I mean, my God. So, but anyway, uh, I don't know if it's how woke um, football and all, and sports has become, and how political it's come, but it has turned me so off towards it. It's made me sick at my stomach in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a sense of the word, not physically sense. And, uh, and I'm not going to say this to say I'm going to try to live up to it. I'm not, I didn't do this to try to give you a testimony, and I'm not going to live up to try to live up to a testimony after this. It's just what it is. It's just a craving. Saturday, I had the hardest time trying to you know i tried to watch a little bit and maybe it was because we weren't really playing anybody i couldn't even hardly watch it i was like this is i don't really care about it you know it's like and then i didn't even i watched a little bit of it and i turned you know and then i checked back i kind of skipped around and and uh there was a couple more big games on and i forgot about one of them and i didn't and i haven't been for years a binger where i just sit all day and what i'd usually just if i wanted to watch a football game watch my and then, so I didn't hardly watch any of it, and it was like, I just don't really care. And then Sunday night, uh, there was another big game on, and I was like, uh, it, you know, I ministered and felt like I did what the Lord wanted me to do, so I thought, you know, I'm going to sit down and watch this big game. Well, I ran, I, in a nice way, ran all the kids out of the living room, because we had grandkids, so I had to go to the back room. And they said, and uh, Nana, we want to, they were watching some kind of Disney or some kids show. And I said, well, I'm, Papa's going to get the big TV and watch this big game, you know. So I wasn't there but a few minutes, and I switched it over. I started watching Gary Carpenter's service from Sunday morning. Well, that's not a bad switch, but it was like, you know, I usually watch that on Monday or something. But I heard the kids saying, Papa's not watching that football game out there. He said he was going to watch a football game. We want the big TV. <laughs> and so, they, you know, uh, Candy came out a little bit and goes, you know, watching the game. I said, you know what? I got bored. I was watching a few minutes of it, and I got so bored. <laughs> that's exactly probably That's part of <laughs> Woo! Uh, you know, I can't. Uh, if, I, if I go into this, I'll lose. Corey is back in the house. I can just tell you that. He, he's, he's, he's incredible. He's incredible. All I'm doing is I'm not putting myself up. I'm saying this. 
cravings are changing for all of us. And that doesn't mean I can't ever watch a football again, again or you can't do certain things, but um, that appet th those appetites are changing in all of us to a place where uh, the simplicity is going to make the asking and receiving. Amen. And listen, and all things that the Lord is chastening us on or changing us on, please don't get into legalism. Uh, what's legal? Well, the I'll say this. The flesh will bypass mortification for legalism. What? Yeah, uh, Alan Taylor said some things about that recently that was just incredible. Um, the flesh likes rules. It likes rules. It'll take rules over spending hours in fellowship. It'll just give me a rule to go by and Dave said it like this. He said, we gave up everything. We gave up Coca-Cola, and we still didn't have any power. <laughs> so it's not the amount of things that you give up. If you get in that mentality, that's legalism. It's like, well, I give up this, I give up. That's bartering for more power. It, it's yielding your life to him that cravings and desires are created inside of you. Um, at this point in our quest for revival, and those of you that are watching, it's more about creating appetites and a jealousy for the things of God than, than, than it is actual blatant sin. And now you're going to have to stay with me real close on this, and you know we're, 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 we're trying to move along here and not try to keep you all night, and it's still not even 8.30, but I know people work. But uh, listen to this. Stay close on this with me. There's a difference. We just read that out of James. And those are, that was a scathing. Your friendship with the world. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. The, um, your, your adulterers and adulteresses. And that's absolute. That's absolute. The, 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 the rebuke he gave them uh, was, it was a hard, it was a hard rebuke. But there's a difference of interpretation of James 4 in regards to a hard look or a hard look at these, uh, at what he was saying, versus a transition of power look, as in where the church that goes past those things of living in the world, living with any threat of killer sins in their life, and the interpretation when you read James 4 means something different to you than it does the person. Now, don't get me wrong. Understand this. Um, the foundation of James 4 is addressed to people in the church that have no ability to receive revival. Under, the, under that hard look, under him saying you're adulterers, adulteresses, you, you don't have any ability, if we're going to put it in terms of this message, you don't have any ability to ask and receive because what you've been asking for it's going to be consumed on your own lust but does the spirit does the not the word say that the spirit within us that dwells within us lusteth to envy desires to have a relationship with God and God gives more grace for what more grace for you to turn into that person and change into a person who has his appetites so for us, the James 4 is, it's not, 
It's not, at this point, the blatant sins. Now, there might be somebody out there watching me. I can't say as a group and over, well, pastor, you don't know. I know, I know. Listen, I'm training specifically, and I know what, I know what he's doing. I know what I'm doing because I understand what he's doing. I understand that I'm training revivalists that have come through a purging process and are laying down their life, not perfect yet, but are laying down their life whose discussion is not about uh, you stopping physical adultery, but your discussion is adultery or as in the sense of the word of what things inside of you can he come to yet and lay his hand on you and replace with a craving, I'd say craving, or an appetite for more of him. I did not, I did not, that example about not really caring so much about watching, that wasn't something I disciplined. I didn't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I'm going to do this so I can have a testimony in church and say, you know, I'm not going to, I just, it was like, you know, you know when you're a kid and your, your mom's, you know, said, eat your broccoli or, I mean, I like broccoli, but eat your something, whatever, and you didn't like that and you ate it and you didn't have an appetite for it. The things of this world that we are so thought we could never live without, the more you get into him and spend time with him, it'll be like broccoli. It'll be like, okay, I can, <laughs> I can still eat this. And that, that may be a bad analogy because that's good for you. But what I'm saying is you don't have a taste for it. Amen. The final stages of James 4 is not with the struggle with the lust of the flesh as in killer sins, but it's in, or the blatant sins. For our interpretation of that, and I'm not trying to take away from the root interpretation, I said that's a scathing to the backslidden church. But the final stages of James 4, or the development stage, are for those who have walked through the fire and are not struggling with killer sins, but are developing every desire, lust, and I say that in a good way, jealousy for the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. The stages of born, you know, the, there, we go through stages once we come into the kingdom. First stage is born again. That, that's the first stage. That gets you in. So when we, when we teach these, we never ever can get away from teaching the power of the born again. That's always got to be part of our doctrine uh, because there will have an influx of newbies coming in here. So how we do that in the future, I don't know. Maybe it'll always be part of our general services. It may be also taught in other rooms or other pl places. But born again is when we come in. Uh, but let's, let's say class begins. Class begins at born again. Um, and then the next thing is, the next thing that you get, do for people is get them baptized in the Holy Ghost. You get them baptized. They have to have the teacher. They have to have, and you have to establish the importance of God's word. I began to talk to that, my friend, uh, Braden, yesterday about, I, I tried to talk to him some about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I could tell it was pressing a little bit on his understanding, so let, I took care of what was needful at the moment. But I talked to him about the Word of God and how to get into that and where to get into that. Um, so the first thing that you teach newbies or babies is the power over their, their righteous nature. And the power, what they've become, and the power over sin. I love this verse. I always think about this. I'll just read it to you, these two verses. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 12 and 13. Now we have not received 
now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. In other words, once you're born again, you are spiritual. And then the Holy Ghost teaches you, and he compares spiritual to spiritual. The spiritual part of you, which is the new nature, with the spiritual truths of God's Word. And the first thing that newbies or babies need to understand is we need to teach them continually the power of who they are over sin. And I like that because it's like comparing. It's like the teacher teaches by comparing the spiritual to the spiritual. That's how he teaches. So you teach, a, uh, you teach or you train. I, I've, I've watched this in my grandkids, my kids, and little kids. The, the babies, you say, they get to the point, they say, where's your eye? And so they point, that's right, that's, where's your ear? They touch their ear. Oh, that's, that's good, that's good, that's good. Where's your nose? They touch their nose. Where's your toes? Where's your feet? They touch their feet. The Holy Spirit, as an infant in Christ, begins to show them the truths of God's word and says, where's your righteousness? How great is it? It's above it's above all sin. No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to yield to that. You don't have to yield to that. You're above that. So that's the comparing. He compares the spirit that's in them, the nature of Christ, with the truths of God's word. Um, <clears throat> and we teach them freedom over sin and the lust of the flesh. And that they are free from the killer sins of the flesh. And uh, so that's, but here's the thing. That's a staple, but it's not a staple once the next stage is, then we have to go into maturity. We have to go to a place where, um, where we, you know, that, that staple from the beginning teaches us everything that we are in him and our freedom over sin. Hey, we needed the first John series, didn't we? The church was colorblind. It was absolutely cover, color. I look back on the man that I was starting here 15 years ago, even praying in tongues. I don't know what I did with all those verses about, you know, the verses that I say now are the killer sins. I thought that was just, okay, what did you think, Pastor? I guess I thought that was Christians having problems with their flesh. Well, I never thought that. Well, yes, you did, because I never heard you teach it. I never heard you go to, you know, pastor dave or gary or but first the first john series it it colored us or, or it uh changed our our um we were colorblind how and what say what word and what way well we there was a lot of gray now we see black and we see white we see black and we we see we we see white we know by the word no matter what anybody says who's saved and who's not saved? We can just watch their life for just a little bit of time. And you just, by the word, you know. Well, they say they're saved. They've been living together for 10 years, but they say, I'm sorry. Either First John is lying or they're lying. I don't care how much they cry about how much they love Jesus. I don't care how much they say that they love Jesus. I mean, one or two is lying. The gray's gone out. 
understanding those things is a transition for us to go to a place where we grow, we're growing up. Um, let me just say this. Church, are we saved? You didn't forget. First John saved. Glory to be to God. L listen to this. You don't have to turn there, but Ephesians 4 says this. Until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lay, lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. And I like this. For whom the whole body is fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, increasing, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There's a growing up. Okay, you start babies out by, but listen, <laughs> for God's sake, the message to adults is not, you can stop sinning. If you're in, that, that'll always be part of your library. But you shouldn't have training classes for adult Christians in Christ saying, you can stop sinning now. You can get out of it. They, those are, those, listen, they're not, those are, they're not qualified to pray in revival. All their prayers are, just like, just like Pastor Dave was talking about picking up on people's prayers, prayer life during that camp out when they were praying. If somebody's in a blatant sin and they kill, still can pray in tongues, if there's still enough of God that they can pray in tongues, they're not praying about revival. The Holy Spirit's praying for them to be set free from their sin. That's what the, that's what the truth is. Hallelujah. We're getting close. And how many are glad? Better not hear an amen. Amen. The transition of power takes place somewhere in the place where Paul himself transitioned over into a place, Philippians 3, and 10 and 11, I'll, I'll say this, I'll, I'll just read it for you, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And we've told you that time and time again. That's not talking about an eternal resurrection. It's talking about living in a place where we're actually walking as dead men to the lust of the flesh, the identification of self. We are living as someone that Paul said, um, if you've seen, in Galatians, actually, he, he says that if you've seen me, or no, Galatians, I think I have it down. No, maybe not. Um, but he talks about, I'm crucified with Christ. Yet I live, yet not I, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, if you've seen me, you've seen Christ. Hallelujah. Now when this comes to fullness, I, I think this a lot of times. Lord, when I start seeing this, I'm, I keep saying this has come, but when it comes into fullness... I think I'm going to have, or it's going to be possible for my flesh to have a thought like, this is so easy, why didn't this happen before? And like, this must be a sovereignty, it must be something that God just chose now to do. It can't be that, or everybody would have it. And I don't want something 
that people have had before where they got into something and they didn't even know how they got there. It's like, I know I'm here, but I don't even know to tell you how I got here. We're going to be able to tell people how we got here. It was truth and it was an absolute us following God. Let me say a few more things and we'll close for the evening. Um, this comes about really by also part of uh, John's words in, uh, that he recorded of Christ in John 17. And I'll just read this. This truth is, um, it's also more qualified in what Jesus prayed for us. In John 17, 20, 21, this truth of what? The simplicity coming to the part of asking, receiving. John 17, 21 said this, that they may all be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now, when I read that, us being made one in him, the oneness of the Father and Christ, and then us being made one in him, I understand, and we've taught around here quite a bit, so we understand the positional truth that we've been made one with God and one in Christ by the position of the born-again nature. We understand that. That's an absolute. But it's even far more than that when you understand it, that's, that's the beginning. The born again is the only, only the beginning. The oneness that Jesus had with the Father was not only in spirit so that he could say, whatever I ask, I receive. So you can ask and you can receive. It's a oneness in him, but it's a oneness in absolute in everything. In desire, in appetite. It's kingdom of God come. It's that the world... See, our being, our, our James 4 interpretation is for the revivalist, and I'm not qualifying everybody that's watching, I don't know, but for the revivalists and those that have gone through the purging process and are still going through it, our, our purging is not being in bed with the world. It's not being in bed with that, that okay, you can preach that message, but that message goes for a backslidden church that needs to be woke up, that needs to hear 1 John. But then revivalists come to a place where the interpretation of that is, my friendship with the world is anything that is replacing an appetite that should be totally sold out to you. Why can't I sit my buttocks down and pray for hours without getting fidgety to go turn the TV on, or go do something because there's appetites in me yet to be mortified. It's not, it's not the blatant sin, it's, but the simplicity. What are we after? I want to come to, it's, it's got to be more than just theory. And this isn't theory when I'm saying the word of God. I want the simplicity of it. And I'm sure you do. Amen. And I think as... The asking and receiving that Jesus spoke of so blatantly without commentary, without exception, will be 
with great ease in the transition of this power. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. We did good. You're going to get 20 minutes before 9. I hope you were watching tonight and you enjoyed. We're going to places. What's the key? Uh, more faith? Yeah, more faith. But where does more faith happen at? See, what's keeping us from receiving the ease of this? Ours is, ours, ours is not so much uh, worldliness, you know, the bars or the drinking. That's not the, I hope not, that's, that's, I hope that's not your problem. But it is a level of unbelief yet inside of us. But where does the ease come at? Where does the, where's the equation of ease? It still comes into that place of total surrender. And I believe that causes our faith to go to a place where it's almost like we don't even think about what we're going to do. And it just happens when we pray. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to bless God. and I'm going to bless you and release you tonight. Father... I praise you for this audience here and there that are listening to your words. Lord, we thank you for your word because your word is the truth that takes us to the next place. These words are words, Lord, that if we heed to them, if we will tenderly spend our time in your presence, you'll replace appetites, desires, and bring us into a place that we are one with you as Jesus was one with you. We know that position is already in our new nature, but Lord, in all things, we desire this place so that when we say, blind see, they see. Lame walk, they walk. Deaf hear, they, they hear. Dumb speak, demoniac, set free. Every single thing that we say, it happens first time and every time. We bless you, Father. We bless them. May they prosper in their businesses, their job employments, their homes, we pray that, Father, that they will have, Lord, healthy bodies and rest well this night. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen.